We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the final installment of Locked On and Odyssey's Ultimate NFL Season Preview. Today, it's the NFC East. The original release for this episode was delayed due to technical difficulties, so our experts and insiders are bringing you an up-to-the-minute preview from where each of these teams is currently sitting ahead of Week 3 of the NFL season. That means three of the teams are 1-1, one and one, and the New York Giants are the lone team at 0-2. To kick us off, here's Ross Tucker with his thoughts on the NFC East. Hey, it is Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you know I love talking NFC East. Played for two of these teams. I also do the Eagles preseason games. So I've got a connection with all of them other than the New York Giants. And quite frankly, this is a division once again where I see all four teams winning between seven and ten games. It is a jumbled group. Once again, I really don't see any of them getting to 11 or 12 wins and pulling away. I'm not sure any of them are only a five or a six win team. I know some people think that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I just don't see it. I mean, if they stay healthy up front on both sides of the ball, they've got a top five O-line. They've got probably a top five D-line. And if Jalen Hurts just isn't the worst quarterback in the NFL, like Carson Wentz was a year ago, they've got a real shot. Now, a lot of people are, are high on the Cowboys but the Cowboys still have a lot of question marks. Amari Cooper's health, Dak Prescott's health. Can the offensive line studs like Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, can they stay healthy? If all those guys stay healthy, I think the Cowboys will absolutely be one of the favorites, but they still have a lot to prove defensively. My team, it's Washington. I think the Giants still have a lot to figure out and sort out with Saquon's injury and Daniel Jones, Saquon come back to health. But Washington has that stud defense. They got a really good offensive line. And I think they'll get much better quarterback play this year than they did a year ago under center. And welcome in. You are locked on the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On NFC East preview for this 2021 season. I'm Chris Russell, host of the Locked On Washington football team podcast, along with David Harrison. Joining us on this edition is Patricia Trena, the Locked On Giants host, Gino Camilleri, one half of the Locked On Eagles um, podcast, and Landon McCool, one half of the Locked On Cowboys 
podcast. And uh, guys, we'll start at the top, obviously, here with the Washington football team, which won the division by hook or by crook last year at seven and nine. Uh, and so far through two games in this year, one and one after beating the Giants, if you could call it that, uh, on Thursday night football and losing their season opener to the Chargers. I'll just give a, a quick little synopsis. <clears throat> I mean, obviously over the offseason, there was a lot of change bringing in Curtis Samuel, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, William Jackson III on defense, drafting uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky. Uh, the strength of their team, of course, as everybody should know, is their defensive line. Quite honestly, none of the moves that they made over the offseason have really worked out yet because Ryan Fitzpatrick was hurt, injured in the season opener. He's out six to eight weeks with a hip problem. Curtis Samuel is currently on IR. William Jackson III has been very um, – I mean, he's made one nice play, and that's about it. Uh, and he's been poor other than that. So, uh, And Jamin Davis has struggled a little bit. So this football team at one and one right here – and staring down the gun barrel, it's still a very, very, very tough schedule that starts in Buffalo in week three is about what you would expect right now, about what you would expect. But I would say a lot of people around here, guys, are concerned about the defense and how poorly they have played, specifically Chase Young. And I would say a lot of people are buoyed and pumped up by the fact that Taylor Heineke is the quarterback. Now, we turn it over to my colleagues, Patricia, Gino, and Landon. Patricia, we'll start with you, host of, uh, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. Uh, the Washington football team somehow, someway beat the New York Giants. Maybe they got a little bit of help from the officiating. What did you make of the team that I cover uh, after watching them closely on Thursday Night Football? Well, I think we have to say that the Giants beat the Giants. I mean, come on. They had their opportunities. But look, you know, Washington – I, I said it um, way back when, I'll say it again. I think they're the team that can really sneak up on people in the division. They've got a really good defense. We really didn't see uh, see the full impact of it um, the first couple of weeks because, you know, teams are just getting started. But I love that defensive front. I think they are just ferocious. I think they're going to cause teams a lot of problems. You know, I had question marks coming in about the quarterback situation even before uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was hurt. I had questions about, you know, how good with the running game, playing off of the passing game and, and all that stuff. So, you know, if they can settle down that offense and Heineke, you know, the Giants made him look like like Aaron Rodgers at times. So um, if he continues to play that well and if – that defense really starts to round in, and especially Chase Young. I don't think Chase Young, as good as he is, has put it all together. But when he does, that defense is going to just be that much scarier. And I really do think that this Washington football team is the team to keep an eye on in the division. Yeah, no, definitely good thoughts there. And obviously, I mean, if your strength is – I mean, I think everybody would identify the strength as being the defensive line. They're going to have to do some of the heavy lifting, especially against the gauntlet of quarterbacks uh, that they're going. Gino Camilleri is the co-host of the Locked on Eagles podcast. Gino, uh, Washington and Philadelphia haven't played. They won't meet until late in the, se late in the season. Sorry, guys. Um, I, my dog just decides, you know, to ruin every podcast that I do. Um, but – um, you know, from your perspective, I don't know how much of that Thursday night game you got to see. Uh, has anything jumped out to you and surprised you? 
Yeah, first off, I would say that that was a classic NFC East matchup, and everybody loves to see two NFC NFC East teams lined up on a Thursday night, and it was exactly that. And when I look at Washington, I look at that defense, and it really came to show how good they truly are in their first couple of games. And say what you want about how the result ended, but I think that at the end of the day, Washington has the most complete, maybe not at the quarterback position, but everywhere else in terms of defense, playmakers, the most complete roster sitting at one and one. I think this is the discussion we're going to have for most of the season is who are the teams that win these division matchups. And right now, Washington has that first one. And if they continue on that trend, they'll be right up at the top where I I expect them to be this year. Yeah, it's interesting because Washington played that first division game. And Patricia, I'm not sure if it works out for you guys. I haven't looked at the Giants schedule recently, but Washington's neck, that's it for the division right now until the last five games of the year when they take on the Giants in the season finale and Philly and Dallas twice uh, each in that five-game stretch. So that brings us to Dallas and Landon McCool. Um and the Cowboys are obviously one and one uh, looking ahead at, at, at Monday night football against Philadelphia uh, Landon, uh, you know, I mean, obviously Cowboys and, and Washington, always a good rivalry, always a good time. Uh, and, and again, the char- the Cowboys beat the chargers, Washington lost to the chargers. Does that tell us anything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the Chargers are a good team and they were a playoff team last year. They've got one of the best young quarterbacks in football. I mean, I mean, I think both of us can attest to that. And and as far as a a measuring stick, um, you know, I think, look, things are kind of thrown out the window once your starting quarterback gets hurt. And um, I, I think Heineke has done an admirable job. Uh, and and may end up doing too admirable a job for for you know any kind of future quarterback plans that you may have in the draft if you get concerned about him winning too many of these games at this point. But if you're looking to stay into this thing, if you think that you can get Fitzpatrick back and then continue to make a run after six or seven weeks, uh, yeah, Heineke is a guy that you watch and he has flaws, but you certainly can work with what he's got. And as far as a backup quarterback situation goes, uh, I mean, you couldn't do much better than a guy that's uh, you know played admirably in a playoff game is one of his first few starts. So uh, I, I think that Washington, you know, defense is fluky and, and and it is fluky year to year. And it's very difficult to con- maintain consistency year to year, but Washington's defense isn't that fluky. They should be able to get back on track pretty quickly with the talent that they have. Uh, and they'll be right back in the mix of being a very formidable for- force in the NFC East. You know, it's interesting right now, uh, you know, through a couple of games and that's not enough of a sample size, Everybody thought the Dallas defense was going to stink. And I could make an argument based on what I've seen out of Dallas in two games and what I've seen out of Washington in two games, that Dallas is the better defense. And I never would have thought I would have been able to say that. Again, it's a very small sample size. I think, guys, Washington's numbers last year, quite honestly, when everybody hyped up this group, and and they should have hyped up the group. I'm not saying that none of it was warranted. But when they hyped up the group that that returned that defensive line and the defense as a whole, oh, year two, this, that, and the other thing, they forgot that they didn't take on and beat one good quarterback last year. I mean, unless you count Ben Roethlisberger on that Monday afternoon evening game and Ben's elbow was dangling from the ligaments, right? I mean, you know, for Dallas, they they 
beat Andy Dalton on Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. Uh, and then Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton at FedEx Field. Patricia, you know, they lost twice to the Giants. And we, we all know uh, about Daniel Jones, right? And the criticism uh, against him. And Gino, of course, remembers what happened in the season finale where they clinched the division. So, I mean, this defense should be a lot better than it was last year. But I don't – they're not playing like it, uh, to be honest with you. And, and, again, I wouldn't say the Giants are a great offense by any stretch. And Daniel Jones beat them with the read option, pulls all, all game long, should have had a touchdown, got a cheesy holding call, what have you. Um, and, and, and Los Angeles, the Chargers just shredded them uh, through the air. They could not get any pass rush. They couldn't stop the run, uh, all sorts of things. So it's going to be really interesting – against this schedule that they have. Again, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, whatever that's going to bring, all the division games, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be really interesting to see how good or bad this defense is. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up our time for the Washington football team who sit at 1-1 one and one so far on the young year, but they finished in first place. And obviously, they have a long haul here over the rest of the 2021 season. When we return here on this Locked On special, looking at the NFC East, we're going to take a look at the New York Giants, Big Blue, and Patricia Trena. That's coming up next. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the NFC East preview, the ultimate preview. We're about two games into the season, so getting a little bit late to start here, but Hey, there's plenty to talk about. There's still a lot of football to talk about. And uh, we're going to pick it up with the New York Giants now. Here's the thing. Coming into the 2021 season, everybody and their uncle thought the Giants defense was going to be the bomb, so to speak. Well, guess what, folks? They have bombed, all right. (laughs) They have not been very good through the first two games. The Giants defense I don't know what's going on. You know, it, it, it looks like a totally different group, you know, despite the fact they added a Dory Jackson the, at cornerback, despite the fact that they're getting two pass rushers who were injured last year, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez back, no pass rush. Uh, the run defense has been spotty here and there. What's going on with this Giants defense? Patrick Graham is still running it, but it doesn't look anything like what we saw last year where this, this group was just um, aggressive. They were attack style. They weren't afraid to, you know, press and get beaten and whatnot. It's just, they're playing conservatively and it's driving people nuts. And it's also showing up in the 0-2 record then that they absolutely need to fix because, you know, 0-2, it's not the death knell. 
the the death knell, but it is a problem for the Giants. So the defense is the big story for the Giants as we start the season 0-2. But let's talk a little bit about the offense real quickly. The Giants expecting big things out of Daniel Jones entering his third year, of course. They got him all kinds of playmakers. They got him uh, Kyle Rudolph at tight end. They got him uh, uh, Kenny Galladay at receiver. They got a healthy Saquon Barkley back. He, he made it back in time for the season. Uh, and so far, the offense... Not horrible. You know, they scored, I think, 13 points the first game, 29 points against the Washington football team, a very good Washington football team defense. Just, you know, there's there's more. The Giants have left points on the table. They've left yards on the table. They're not where they need to be. And, you know, if you want to make an excuse for them, and I'm not really a proponent of making excuses, but if you're looking for one, the Jones did not have Barkley or Rudolph or Galladay or uh, Evan Ingram for the majority of the summer. So the offense is just now starting to come together, get used to one another, build up that camaraderie. And then you throw in the fact that the offensive line underwent a significant change in week two after just four days, I might add. So the offensive line actually so far has played pretty well, uh, especially the tackles, which was a big question mark. Andrew Thomas, you know, the, the whole Shebang, if you will, rested on his shoulders. He's been pretty solid. Nate Solder, who won the right tackle job over Matt Parrott, has been solid. He he did a good job against the Washington defense last week. So really, folks, when we look at this Giants team, you got to look at the defense and say, what the heck happened there? And guys, I think that's a good place to start. Um, you know, if we're looking at the New York Giants, so let's go around the horn. Let's let's get some thoughts here, uh, Landon. Let's start with you. What do you? see when you look at the giants well uh, just to kind of circle back to start with uh what, what something chris said and and he talked about how uh the quarterbacks that washington faced last year and and the quarterbacks that they're facing this year and, and the effect that that's having and, and that's kind of ultimately what i what i meant earlier when i said the defense is kind of fluky year to year most of it is dictated by the quarterbacks that you face I mean, quarterbacks basically run the league, you know, in, in, in that sense that they, the effect that they have, because they're just so important. I can't speak to what's happening with, with New York's defense though, because ultimately that's not been the problem that they, you know, they faced Denver who had, uh, you know, well-known quarterback issues to the point where, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke were competing for that job and, and Bridgewater came out the top. Bridgewater had a pretty great game, you know, for considering, especially, uh, you know, against expectation uh, against the Giants. And then, you know, against Washington, uh, they, they saw a lot of Heineke. And, and I think, again, I think Heineke is a very capable uh, quarterback that is, you know, in the, on the list of capable quarterbacks who aren't, aren't a starter for their team. Heineke's very high on the list. But he's still not a, an NFL starter, as far as I'm concerned at this point, you know, and 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 to come in and to do what he did against New York was was very impressive, but not necessarily great news for New York. So um, I think that you know they they kind of need to just steady the ship a little bit. I I know that they will. They, like I like I spoke previously when we've talked that Patrick Graham is a guy I think that can coordinate a defense to do anything. I really believe in his abilities. Um, so I, I think that they will write the ship, but it is curious that their, their inability to kind of, uh, stop, you know, stop the bleeding early on in the season, uh, before they can write the ship. And then on offense, um, you know, I think ultimately what we've seen from Barkley is a guy that hasn't had a lot of snaps. You know, I, I just see him as someone who is still thinking that he's a hundred percent 
and he's trying to get lateral instead of trying to get north and south a lot, which has been a problem with him in the past is that his athleticism is, is a, is a double-edged sword, right? Where he can break any single play, any single play in a way that I, I haven't seen a running back since Barry Sanders probably do, uh, you know, he could break it long, but the problem with, with, you know, that Barry Sanders would run into every once in a while is that for every, you know, 50 yard run that he would have, he would have a negative four yard run. He would have a negative three yard run and the giants desperately on offense need something that's consistent. And that's ultimately the issue, right? Is that you're not getting consistent play from Daniel Jones. You're not getting consistent yards from your playmaking running back because he's going back and forth. Uh, and and I think that's where they've stalled at times. It's good to see Daniel Jones run the, running the football more. I think that's going to open things up for him, and I think it showed against Washington the danger that he can do there. Uh, but until they get something stable on offense or defense, uh, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle uh, until they can find kind of find something to hold on to. Definitely, definitely. All right, Gino, let's go over to you and your thoughts on the New York Giants. When I look at the Giants, I look exactly how kind of you said it Patricia like where is this identity of this team right now it was supposed to be the defense coming into the season it really hasn't been that yet so far and when you break it down to the most basic I would say cliche quote of football that football is one in the trenches they're having a difficult time on both offense and the defensive line and has seen that many different combinations in two weeks already on the offensive line Nick Gates goes down with that injury as well especially for a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who has to take time to really get Kenny Galladay in the offense. You really haven't seen much of Kadarius Tony as well either. And Landon talked about Saquon. Yeah. You, when you have that athletic ability, especially when things go awry on the offensive line, you want to make it happen. But right now, I think the Giants really have to get back to fundamental football. Like, can we win in the trenches? Can we bully people and allow our quarterback to have time back there, allow our playmakers that extra split second to get open? And then on defense, you have to get there with the pass rush. And we knew that that might be a little bit of a consistency issue from last year to this year. And then that opens up things for the pass game as well. And seeing as somebody who covers Philadelphia, where it has kind of been that way, where it's either pass rush or you have the coverage on the back end, it really seems to be the case for the Giants right now that they can't get that mix of either because they're not playing as cohesively on defense. Can they turn it around? Of course. They have Joe Judge there, who's a head coach that will really get that thing back on the wagon before it goes awry. And in a 17-game season with 15 games remaining and two games where you could have probably won both of them, I'm not counting out the Giants just yet at all. All right. And Chris, your thoughts, having just seen the Giants? Yeah, I'm with Gino. Uh, I'm not counting out the Giants at all. They should be one and one. They are 0 and 2. You know, teams rebound from 0 and 2, you know, not statistically at a high volume, but this is the NFC East. I think they're all going to, you know, pretty much beat each other up. Uh, Ultimately, got a long way to go, guys. As we know, 15 games uh, still left. You do not determine or make a season. In, in two games. I, I'll tell you this, um, you know, uh, I was at the game on Thursday night. I talked to uh, one of the Giants players uh, privately afterwards. Uh, and, you know, he told me that they're, you know, like despite what happened with Kenny Galladay, that, you know, it's pretty good locker room and all that stuff. Uh, and that they're having fun, even, you know, despite the demoralized or disappointing loss. Oh, and two. So I don't think they're dead yet. I was just going to add, well, I've been disappointed with the defense too. 
and I, and and that's understandable based on the expectations I think all of us had uh, kind of to be the strength. I, I thought this offense would be way better this year than people were giving it credit, but I thought it would take four, five, six weeks, seven weeks, whatever it was, you know, because some of the things you guys had mentioned about Kadarius Tony not, uh, you know, dealing with all sorts of things, uh, you know, Kyle Rudolph was banged up. The offensive line would take some time to gel. We didn't know about Saquon. As a matter of fact, guys, when we did a version of this earlier, I picked the Giants to win the division. And I, I picked the Giants to win the division on my radio show as well uh, at nine and eight in a tiebreaker with the Washington football team. So I'm I mean, I know that sounds crazy right now because nobody would pick the Giants, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up after two games. I think the offense is going to be a lot better than people think it's going to be long term. But I think it's going to be a better second half offense. You think of the weapons, uh, Slayton, Sterling Shepard. Uh, Kenny Galladay, um, Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley, Kyle Rudolph. Now, again, that's a lot of ifs and a lot of maybes. I get it. I understand. I know it all revolves around Daniel Jones. Let me tell you something. Washington still can't figure out how to stop him on the ground. I mean, he may not be the greatest passer in the world, but Wash- but he was fine the other night. Washington still cannot figure out that Daniel Jones likes to read option and pull. They crash all the time. As smart as this defense is, they can't figure it out. Daniel Jones kills them all the time. So, you know, maybe he's only really good against them and really crappy against everyone else. I don't know. But I still think this Giants team, I think the defense is going to get better. I love their secondary when everybody's healthy and everybody's right. The pass rush, I think, will be better. The Giants will be better. And I'm not getting off the – I'm not exactly on the Giants' bandwagon. I'm not – I'm not burying them in a casket. That's what I would say. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, Landon, your thoughts? Uh, you know, I think uh, I think that the Giants uh, have have shown that that they can they can be in this. Like you know that they've they've shown flashes at times. Uh, again, for me, it's about consistency. Uh, I think that that's you know there, there's. We thought that there would be consistency, at least early, for the Giants' defense, which would provide cover for the offense to become more consistent. You know, as Barkley got healthier and got more snaps, started feeling it a little bit more. Uh, as as you know, everyone kind of got used to each other with the new pieces on the offense. Um, uh, unfortunately for, for the Giants, the defense hasn't provided that consistency up front. Of it, I know that it will get there, and I certainly think that the offense will continue to grow as well. Uh, you know, this is like we said, Owen two, you know, Owen two that the Owen two record thing was when there were 16 games. There's an, a whole other game, and I know that that doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. Uh, so all the math has changed too. Um, so yeah, this is not a uh, a hole that can't be digged out of, especially in the notoriously uh, roller coastery uh, NFC East. Indeed. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see if the Giants can climb their way out of the hole. Um, All I know is they better because I don't know if I can take another year of this, in all honesty. Uh, We'll see. I mean, I like that they have Joe Judge at the helm here. I think he can get it turned around, but they need to do their part and they need to start gelling. And hopefully they, they start to pick up some steam, especially before they get to that killer part of their schedule midway through the years when they midway through the year when they see Tampa Bay and uh the Raiders 
and the Chiefs. So, all right, we are on an ultimate NFC East preview here on the Locked On Football Network. And coming up next, we are going to take a look at the Dallas Cowboys, who finished third in the division last year. Landon McCool is going to take it away. Okay, folks, it's time for the Dallas Cowboys to be put in front of the firing line here with uh, with my NFC East cohort. So, uh, Dallas, what's changed from last year? I mean, what hasn't changed? Uh, half their team's back from uh, the, the hospital, it seems like. Uh, after dealing with all the injuries last year, uh, this seems like a completely different unit. Um, on offense, obviously Dak Prescott back being healthy has been, you know, a life changing experience. And it's a lot of what we've been seeing in training camp. It's been great to see, see show that to the rest of the, uh, of the, of the league, um, you know, off it, the offense has kind of been as advertised. It's been a very versatile, uh, 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 you know, juggernaut that, that can score and, and move the ball in a variety of different ways. Um, they've shown that with the, against two very, very different opponents who play defense in a very different way. So uh, in the first two games, I think the Cowboys showed that they can play the full spectrum of offense between playing a, a short passing, deep passing game against the, the Bucks, and then uh, you know converting to a basically a run-based uh, offense against uh, the Chargers. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it, it just looks a lot different. I mean, I think the Cowboys have been an under – defense has been an underachieving unit for several years and I think if anything, they've had talent at different points and they have talent on this team. They just have not really done a very good job to of kind of availing themselves of that talent. I think now Dan Quinn is in and being a defensive coordinator, uh, he's calling his game way differently than he has in the last previous spots. I mean, I was looking at some of the coverage numbers. Cowboys played something like 20% quarters coverage last week, which is, if you know anything about the Cowboys and Dan Quinn, that's absolutely crazy, uh, the number of percentage of, of quarters, especially on early downs uh, that, that they're playing. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, uh, Micah Parsons has obviously really come on. He had a really great game against the Chargers. They've used him in a variety of different ways, uh, but they also found out that they have a guy who can give you – you know, borderline elite pass rush uh, as a as a defensive end when you need him, uh, which was a surprising get when you have lost both your starting defensive ends for that week's game. So, um, yeah, I think the Cowboys are you know are excited about where this team has gone so far, and you know they're they're still a really beat up team that's about to get healthier and a lot of their players back. So, uh, at, I think you know as the season goes on, hopefully they'll get better and get stronger and. You know, I think the Cowboys also have a very uh, backloaded uh, NFC East schedule, if I remember as well. So it'll be interesting to see exactly where all these teams are, uh, you know, in the time where we always usually play each other, which is December, right? Um, so I guess with that, I will turn it over to my uh, NFC East mate. So let's start with the uh, reigning NFC East champs, uh, the Washington football team and Chris Russell. Yeah, uh, thanks, Landon. Um, you know, look, just from watching the two Cowboy games, uh, you know, the Bucks game completely, the Chargers game, most of it is is, is what I would say is, you know, again, I, I've been really impressed, uh, much like you said with Dan Quinn, uh, you know, how they use Micah Parsons, obviously. Now, some of that was by need, uh, of course, because of the Demarcus Lawrence uh, injury, and they're really thin on that defensive line. So you do worry about, you know, if there's another key injury or as the season goes along, how thin are they on that defensive line until they get some of these guys back? And I'm not just talking about Demarcus Lawrence. We're talking about Neville Gallimore. And, you know, I, I mean, just 
you know, attrition is a big part of this game, right? And 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 we all want to simplify things and say, well, this coach and that coach is either great or bad or whatever. Well, sometimes, guys, you got to have the ingredients to cook the dinner, right? And we'll see how long this inspired, changed around Dan Quinn-led defense lasts. Hopefully for Dallas, it lasts longer than I think most of us think it will. Uh, but clearly it looks like they've hit on Micah Parsons. Uh, and I think the secondary has played a little bit better than I was expecting. Um, and, 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 you know, just quickly flipping it around on offense, I was, I was thinking about this, and I actually um, talked about this with um, Jay Gruden, the former Washington football team head coach on my radio show on, um, this week. You know, we were talking about how the Cowboys had one offensive game plan for Tampa, 58 throws. You can't run this, that, and the other thing. And and Dak was over, over 400. And I kept saying, yeah, that's not what you want to do with Dak. And then I I kept thinking they were going to run the ball well against the Chargers because I had just seen the Chargers in person and Washington had run the ball against the Chargers well. And Brandon Staley, not as great. And boom, they come out and Kellen Moore, I mean, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, boom, 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 boom. And Zach Martin back, help, that, that helps, right? But they took the pressure off of Dak. They got the run game, the dual running game working, and they really pounded the Chargers into submission. Now, I don't know how the rest of the season is going to go, but so far I've been pretty freaking impressed by the Cowboys. They're coaching, number one, most of their execution, the defense being better than I thought. And quite honestly, guys, I, I'd be lying if I told you I thought Dak was – I thought I thought they were hiding something with Dak, and I didn't think he was as healthy as they kept claiming he was, and I was wrong. So th- th- that's where I am on the Cowboys. To me, they've been the most impressive of the four NFC East teams, which I didn't think I would say a couple of weeks ago. As the great former Washington and former Dallas Cowboy quarterback Babe Laufenberg always says, uh, you want to know who's, who's winning, tell me who's playing. I definitely agree on the attrition part as well. I think injuries always change the angles here. All right, uh, Patricia, I think you're up next. Uh, give me your give me your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. Oh gosh, I'm going to catch a lot of flack from this from Giants Nation, but I got to agree with Chris. I did not have very high expectations for Dallas. I thought coming in, uh, Dak Prescott. I had question marks about how healthy he really was and what was going on there. I had questions about how well the defense would would hold up, given that basically they were tearing the whole thing down after a historically bad season and starting from scratch. But I've got to say, Dallas has looked pretty darn good for these first couple of games. And uh, hat tip to, you know, to the coaching staff, to the players there. I still think Mike McCarthy, you know, a couple of boneheaded things here and there, but nothing that really, I think, has sunk their battleship, so to speak. But uh, this is a team that, you know, if you had said to me at the beginning of the year, okay, where do you put Dallas and how much hope do you have for Dallas to to be in the mix? I probably wouldn't have put them very high. I would have said, ah, you know, they're kind of rebuilding a little bit with that defense, but they have looked really good. I got to give credit where it's due. Um, I think, you know, I I say this every year when when the uh, preseason forecasts come out and Dallas is always in the mix for winning the division and making the playoffs. And I keep saying, what the heck are people seeing that every year, year after year, Dallas gets into that, that top discussion there. I see it now. And um, you know, they, I know the Cowboys have some, some health issues that they're going to have to overcome, but it's early in the season. 
They've been competitive. They've been playing a little bit better than I thought they would. And I see that team getting ready to make some noise. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it makes me a little bit nervous. The Giants have to see them, I think, in a few weeks. And um, I just hope by then the Giants are playing better ball because uh, Cow- the Cowboys right now, good start out of the gate. Yeah, I, I think, you know, speaking to the coaching, it's been a real revelation for the Cowboys now that they've moved to a more game plan oriented well, per week game plan oriented situation instead of trying to pound their head against the wall and just do what they do as, as opposed to, uh, you know, planning for ahead for the team, like knowing that you're going to play Tampa Bay, who's the best run defense at football and not running the football, like banging your head against the wall and knowing that you're playing Brandon Staley, who's playing, you know, Palms defense where they're not going to let anything deep and running the football on them. So uh, that's made a lot of difference. It's kind of unlocked a lot of the talent that feels like it's frankly been hiding in the Cowboys roster for a while. All right, Gino, we play, we play each other this week. I'm excited about it. And I know you are too. Uh, what, what is, give me, just shoot me up. What do you got? Yeah. So I'll, I'll stick with the the parade real quick and stick with the offense. And it, it really is what I believe that it would be. I mean, they're a team that's going to score close to 30, 35 points a game, being one of the top 10 for all those categories. We know that with Dak Prescott being back, the wide receivers, even with, I mean, Michael Gallup being her, I think Cedric Wilson has come on and been one of the better reserve wide receivers in the league so far. And hats off to them for getting Tony Pollard more involved. He's the more explosive back there. And I know Marcus Mosier, your your uh, cohort there, loves Tony Pollard. And I think he's the guy that really can help them out and be a good one-two punch with Zeke. But then I look at the defense and everybody's been saying they've done better than expectations. But at the same time, you're without your best pass rusher. You're now having to rely on a linebacker to provide you pass rush options, which takes away that athletic ability in the back end. So we'll see when you have to cover two athletic tight ends, like where you get that from. If you have to drop uh, Micah Parsons down to pass rush, it'll be interesting to see there. And then the cornerbacks, they're still allowing tons of yards to wide receivers. So how long can that last where you boat race everybody out of the building? And I, that was always my concern for Dallas. It's, it's not revisionist history over the first two weeks. I think they've done a good job. They played Tampa and a chargers team, which is, I have very high hopes for them. They've looked good in both games and I'm excited to see this week because it'll really show for, I think both teams where they really stand in the division. And I, I have high hopes that Dallas will not kick us in the face too bad, but that offense is really something to deal with. And in this modern day in the NFL, if you could put up points and you look at the the game the other night between the Chiefs and the Ravens, if you could score 35 to 38 points a game, you're going to win a lot of games in the National Football League. And Dallas has that together down pat. So I, I really can't say anything about the offense. Can the defense get the guys in order? Can they get back healthy? It'll be a longer season, uh, season-worthy viewing ship, I would say, of that defense to see where they end up. Because at the end of the day, if you're in one or two score games and you really can't get that stop or get off the field, that's going to be a, a big decider of what your record is at the end of the year. Yeah, Dallas is definitely built for boat races, but uh, the defense is always just, will they get the stop when they need it? That's always been the question. I mean, it's been the question for a long time, so... Uh, it'll be interesting to see as we as we continue to go forward. Okay, Gino is going to take over for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and give us uh, his outlook. 
All right, everybody, welcome on back to the NFC East Ultimate Season Preview. We're finishing it off with the fourth-placed Philadelphia Eagles from last year, currently sitting at 1-1 one and one here in the division with no division games played yet. They took on Atlanta in Week 1 and really blew the doors off of them in an impressive showing, but then they came back to earth a little bit against a superior San Fran team. And I really believe that the first two weeks are very indicative of what this team is right now. They're going to have the ability with their playmakers, their improved athleticism at the playmaking positions. Now with head coach Nick Sirianni, a Jonathan Gannon-based defense, which really thrives on quarters and Ben don't break. They haven't allowed over 20 points in either of their first two games. That's going to be the identity of this football team. But they did just lose two huge pieces in Brandon Graham to an Achilles rupture and right guard Brandon Brooks to a pack strain. So it's the next man up mentality in Philadelphia where they already did lack depth. But I and I hope a lot of every everybody else that's been watching this team can see that they weren't and should have never been in the discussion for being one of the worst teams in the league. They have too much firepower in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Javon Hargrave is looking like a better interior rusher right now than Fletcher Cox is, and Fletcher Cox is a perennial top five interior defensive lineman. They just signed Josh Sweat to an extension to rush off that edge position. They are getting better play with Steven Nelson in-house at the cornerback position, but at the end of the day, there's still a young team with playmaking decisions on both sides of the ball that have come to fruition in the first two weeks in some head scratching decisions against the 49ers, which really came back to bite them. Before this season started, Lou and I on our show really came to the agreement that this is all about evaluation and figuring out where this team is, because right now they're going to be in a lot of one score games. But I expect those top tier teams to come out on top because they are farther in their in their rebuilds, much like a Dallas, much like a Washington. I expect those games to keep them close. But at the end of the day, they are still a young and rebuilding team but have shown more than I think a lot of people have expected. And we'll start it off with Chris Russell and get your thoughts on this Philadelphia Eagles team. Week one, I was very impressed, obviously, with their passing attack and and, and not knowing what exactly Jalen Hurts was. Uh, you know, I mean, we all, I think, knew Devontae Smith was going to be a big, nice weapon. Um, I really like Kenneth Gainwell coming out of Memphis. He had a touchdown in that game. Obviously, you have Miles Sanders. Uh, I think we all understood last year was a combination of a horribly injured offensive line and Carson Wentz getting hurt every other second. Uh, and and thank goodness for Philadelphia, that's somebody else's uh, problem to deal with. And go figure, he's hurt already. Um, so I thought Philadelphia was going to be better than most probably prognostications. How much better? I don't know. I agree with you. I think it's going to be back and forth, up and down all year. We'll see how injuries shake out. But I do think they're going to be better than people probably thought they were going to be, at least offensively. And I know everyone has been really high on Gagnon's defense and you know, um, you know, know, some of the things that they're doing now. Like you said, they've already got some injuries to deal with. Every team has injuries. But you know what? You don't want to – like you can handle injuries two, three weeks, four weeks. Losing guys for the whole year that are key guys, that's going to be tough, um, you know, because everybody's depth, you know, is thin. They did sign Ryan Kerrigan, who, you know, I'm very familiar with, obviously, over the offseason. And, you know, um, I, I mean, I, I guess that will help a little bit. Um, 
you know, I, I think Philadelphia, from what I saw against San Francisco, I, I think, you know, if they didn't have the blocked field goal, if they didn't have like they moved the football against San Francisco, especially early on, I think they just kind of shot themselves in the foot. So maybe that's a young team or rebuilding team that, you know, quite honestly is going against a more veteran team. Uh, that's prop that's that's better, I think, uh, despite all of their injuries. And that's going to happen from time to time. Right. What what's going to be key is, say, like this Monday night against Dallas, do they come out flat and completely get annihilated because they're going against a really good offense, a high octane offense and a better than we thought defense? Or are they right there toe to toe, punch for punch, you know, battle for battle? And it's. Even if it's a loss, it's like a three-point – that that I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think they're going to keep games closer. But, I mean, I, I guess ultimately it depends on how far Hurts can take them and some of the other weapons that they have. You mentioned Brandon Brooks already out. That's obviously not a bad sign. Uh, Zach Hurts, I believe, right, is, is on IR. covid list, so he yeah, should COVID be able list. to be okay. on the, so the game tag I mean, roster, correct. Yeah, I, I mean – I think their offense is going to be better than people thought it was going to be. But again, we all have to see the development of Hurts throughout the year. We all have to see, you know, you got to punch ball, you got to punch touchdowns in, period. Uh, you can't settle for field goals because there's too much happen, you know, to happen in a scoring league. And we'll see how well their defense holds up again with this key injury and in a passing league and in a high octane league. You know, it's going to be hard to hold opponents to 24 or less. So does that put too much pressure on a young and emerging offense? I don't know. So, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking the, the Eagles are going to be better, certainly than, again, a four or five win team. How much better? I don't know. Seven? Somewhere in that range? I think that would be a reasonable, maybe eight, a reasonable achievement for them. I think that's very fair in Vegas before the season started, had them rate at six and a half games. So I think seven is a, a fair number. And I think you hit it right on the head. How is this team going to respond? Nick Sariani and his coaching staff deploys this next round mentality. They went through round one. They were able to land a couple punches and then they got sent back to earth in round two. So how do they come back in round three? And especially for a young team that is developing some of these habits, you have to develop the right habits for them to take off in year two and beyond. So we'll go to Patricia Trena, who's had to face some of those same issues with Joe Judge the last couple seasons. Yeah. And Gino, you know, that was my biggest question mark coming into the season for the Eagles is the coaching staff. And, you know, I felt that it, it, a young coaching staff, some of those guys in coordinator roles, I think for the first time, some of those guys coming up from the college ranks, and of course, a first time head coach, Nick Sirianni, and the talents there, I, I do think the Eagles have enough talent to be competitive to get to seven, eight wins. The coaching right now is my biggest question mark about that team. You know, you look at Sunday's game. and Somebody explained to me what happened to the to the receivers in the final, you know, what was it, the final half, 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes or so. What happened to the receivers? You look at how they're deploying Jalen Hurts with, you know, these baby throws. You know, this, this is a guy who's in his second year. At what point do you take the kid gloves off and just turn them loose? So I, I'm really not sure exactly what the coaching is trying to accomplish here. I mean, are they playing it too safely or are they playing it, you know, do they see something maybe the rest of us don't see, which is probably the case, but 
that would be my biggest question mark for the Eagles. I think, you know, injuries aside, and obviously losing um, Brandon Graham was a big one, you know, that offensive line with the Brandon Brooks injury that, that hurt, but uh, you know, I think good coaching can really overcome a lot. And to me, the, you know, we're two games in, so there's a lot of football left, but the jury's still kind of out on that coaching staff as far as I'm concerned. Totally fair yet again, Patricia, and I was harsh on them as well after the last game, and they have to find that middle ground with Jalen Hurts. In week one, he had the lowest yards per attempt in the league. He goes into last week, he's averaging the most yards per attempt in the league. They really need to find that middle ground, and it really does come down to coaching. And Landon, let's uh, finish it off with the Cowboys and what you think about the team that we will be facing off against on Monday Night Football. Well, I, I think it's interesting because I think we're all kind of circling around where I think, you know, the the limitation is there. And and I think that the right now the middle ground is actually very well put because I think that middle range is really where it seems like the Eagles are trying to avoid passes with with Jalen Hurts, right? They want they want him to get consistent at throwing the ball short. He's he's proven himself that if he has a clean pocket, he can put the ball down the field on these receivers. And that's a dangerous threat. I think you hope that with a strong defense and with a good run game uh, that you, you don't have to put Jalen Hurts in a situation where he's going to be forced to win the game by having to put the ball all over the field because I think – he is not quite there yet, um, but I, I. But the combination of things that the, that the Eagles have are is a is very deadly cocktail because it's a very difficult. To, the, the Eagles, you know, maybe they win only seven or eight games, six, seven or eight games this year, but they will be a tough out for a lot of these teams, no matter who they play, because of the fact that they have a defense, because of the fact that they have a very good offensive line. Um, you know, when we kind of talked before about this. Uh, I felt like the, the the spectrum of outcomes for the Eagles could have been e- anywhere from, you know, misery for you guys to this is seeming much more to be like the top end of that spectrum, right? Where things do look aligned, that they do seem to have a formula that, that they can work with, that they can win games with. Um, I think for the Eagles, you know, their limitations are are clear. I, I don't think it's, I don't think anyone, they're going to surprise anybody um, you know, with, with where they struggle or where they're good. Uh, but I do think they will surprise teams when they have to go play them because uh, playing a physical defense with a, with a very physical offensive line, um, it, 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 it muddies up the, you know, the talent on, on, on either side. And, and it, it can really leave a lot of games to the bounce of the ball. And, you know, the Eagles, I think will live and die by that, which, you know, that's a 50, 50 team. But what that also means is that, they are going to be extremely difficult to beat each week, depending on who, no matter who they're playing. And, and I think that's, you know, that's something you can hang your hat on. That's not something that you, you know, you're not going to go through a season. I don't, I don't think unless injuries, you know, happen in other spots, like we said, I don't think this is going to be a team where you're suffering, having to watch your team. I think they're going to be in probably almost most of the games that they're in, uh, you know, at least for <laughs> until the fourth quarter and some of the other teams may pull away, but, but for the most part, uh, the Eagles are, are going to be a, a tough out. I think that's the best way to describe them. 
I could say through two games already, they're much more enjoyable to watch than they were last season and maybe even the year before that. And at the end of the day, the NFC East is always fun to watch. And thank you for joining us on this ultimate preview. But when we come back, we will finish it off by figuring out who's going to win this division, see where everybody stands and their views of who will come out on top in the NFC East. Do you want me to just come right in here and then finish it off? And yeah, I'll go through. Okay, cool. Sounds good. All right, everybody, welcome on back to this final segment here of this NFC East Ultimate Crossover Preview Show. Two weeks through the season, we don't have any clear waters in the NFC East here. So we're going to kick it off and figure out what our panel expects to be the end result come week 17 and who makes the playoffs for this division. We'll start it out with Chris Russell who could be the first repeat champion of this division in nearly two decades. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen because Washington has not made the playoffs for uh, two years in a row for 30 years, guys, for 30 years. So, I mean, if numbers tell you anything, if trends tell you anything, that should tell you something. Um, So when we, when we originally uh, got together guys before the season, uh, I surprised a bunch of you and I picked the New York Giants to win the division. I picked Washington to be in second, Dallas to be in third, and Philadelphia to be in fourth. Through a couple of games, I, I'm just going to say this. I, I Maybe this is an overreaction central. I'm going to change that up and really annoy my listenership and say, God, the Cowboys are going to win Say it, Chris. Say it. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Again, there's a long way to go, but what what the heck? I'm going to throw pasta against the wall. I'm going to go Cowboys. I'm going to go Washington football team, Giants, and Philadelphia, and everybody's going to be bunched together between nine wins and seven wins, let's call it. I don't know how the math all works out. Uh, but I think everybody's going to be bunched together. I don't think there's going to be any horrible teams. Cowboys, Washington, Giants, Philadelphia is my order. Let's go to Landon and, and, and get your, your order of picks. Am I crazy for picking your boys? No, I don't think so. Obviously, I, I may have some bias there. But uh, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm going to pick Dallas to win. Um, but I'm going to surprise some order here. Um, I'm going to pick Philly to pick, go second in this division. Uh, I've seen a lot in the first two weeks uh, between all these other three teams. And, um, you know, Philly is not going to be a walk in the park for anybody. If they're able to kind of remain relatively healthy, which, again, is <laughs> a term that we all throw around when we do predictions, right? Um, I think that I think they have a strong offensive line. I've been a huge Hargraves fan forever. And you add him next. He is the best guy that they've added next to Fletcher Cox that they've ever had. Without a doubt, in my opinion, when they added the other guys previously, uh, you know, I felt like uh, they, they had good guys next to him, but that duo inside is just absolutely dominant in a way that I don't even know that they've ever had an interior two like that before. So the big thing here is going to be, how do they mitigate the loss of Brandon Graham? 
the last time we talked about uh, uh, Brandon Graham, I thought that he was, you know, I thought the world of him, I, I couldn't believe he's still playing with the Eagles. He's been playing with them for 30 years. It feels like I've been watching this guy sack my quarterback. Um, so uh, uh, that is going to be a huge loss. And obviously Brandon Brooks as well. So we'll see how they bounce back from that for sure. Um, but I've seen a lot that at least gives me confidence. They have elements on their team that I think are very difficult to defend and that are replicable week to week. Uh, I, I have no doubts that the Giants will right the ship. And if they do, I, I would not be surprised if they, you know, gave some hunt there. I think Washington's in a tough spot with with uh, with the injury at quarterback. Heineke's good, but I think eventually you know, it, it will crash down and his limitations are, again, they're pronounced. I think everyone knows what they are. Washington's done a good job of drawing up around them, but I think that will only last so far. So I'm going to go with Dallas, Philly, the Giants and Washington. Patricia, what, what, what do you, how do you see this thing uh, rolling out? Oh gosh, I'm going to hate myself tomorrow morning when this comes out. I really am. Um, if, we were starting from scratch. I know I was a little bit higher on certain teams, a little less enthusiastic about certain teams. I'm going to really, really hate myself, but I got to go based on the first two weeks. I got to put Dallas as one in a division. I mean, most complete team quarterback play everything. The giants right now, I, I think I agree with you. I think they're going to figure it out. Um, are they going to figure it out in time? That remains to be seen. So I'm going to go Dallas. Um, now, this is where it's a toss up here for me, because I think Washington has the defense to pull it off. I'm not so sure that Taylor Heineke can can have the success he had against the Giants. But I'm going to say Dallas, Washington, Giants, Eagles. Here, I saved some of my credibility, Giant fans, right, by not picking the Eagles. But, no, seriously, the Eagles, I need to see the coaching kind of catch up with the talent. And that's going to take, you know, several, I think, a few weeks of trial and error. Sorry, Gino. I know I know, uh, we're, we're not going to be friends after this, but that's how I see it. Um, the Giants, just overall, I think the NFC East is going to be the NFC least again. It's going to be the division winners going to probably have the fewest number of wins out of all the division winners. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I got to go with the Cowboys based on what we have seen through the first couple of weeks of the season. You're just saying that they're going to have the least amount of wins because you picked the Cowboys to win the NFC East, right? No, Is it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. I would have done it even if I picked the Giants and and you know taken off my rose-colored glasses. But uh, <laughs> I got to I got to call it the way it is. And you know I know I'm going to lose points with my listeners, but you know sorry guys, I try to give it to you the way I see it. Well, first off, I'll say thank you, Landon. And then, Patricia, you might not want to look at my Lockdown NFC East host power rankings after the show because you <laughs> might drop down a few spots after that. Totally kidding. But before this season had started, I pledged to myself that when I'm picking this division, I put 100% bias aside and I look at X's and O's. And the league is an offensive-based league, and it's so hard to put Dallas aside as much as it grinds my gears to say that, they have what I've wanted in an offense for quite some time. You have two top-tier running backs. You have an offensive line that just can do everything. You have Dak Prescott, who is the best quarterback in this division right now. Three wide receivers and then a duo of tight ends. The Eagles aren't too far off from that formula, 
but it all starts at the quarterback position. So I'm going with Dak Prescott to win this thing. He's just been on fire in the last six games. We know that injury really derailed him, but before that he was cranking unbelievable yardage out in those games. He's doing it again in these games, really fitting into the game plan that Kellen Moore has for him. The defense is susceptible, but in a boat race, if you got the fastest boat, sometimes you could come out on top, even though the water might be a little murky. I'm going to go with Washington as the number two. I have two teams from the NFC East making it. I don't think this division is as bad as the NFC North potentially be. I don't think it is as bad as the NFC South could potentially be once the Panthers come back to normal. The Saints are right who they are. I just think that good team is Tampa at this time. And then Atlanta is what they they are. I look at Washington. They could be right there in that seventh wildcard spot. Six wildcard spot, I wouldn't even bat an eye, in my opinion. And then at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the Eagles and Giants. I go back to trench play. I just cannot trust the Giants offensive line at any given time in the game. I don't know what they're going to do from snap to snap. It drives me crazy because I think they had it figured out. And for your sake, Patricia, I thought they had it figured out. But here we go again. I'm going to go Eagles three, Giants four, simply because trench play really says it all. Quarterback number one, defense number two, trench play number three. I really think that's how it's going to come down to. But at the end of the day, we all could look completely ridiculous, and one of the teams that we didn't mention could win this division, and that's what makes the NFC East the NFC most enjoyable. I'm done with the NFC East. (laughs) Without this division, people would not have as much fun as they do watching Thursday night football games. I'll just say that. Yeah, that that's a good point. Uh, I'll take us home here, guys. If you if if you want, um, uh, we're obviously a couple of weeks into the season. It's going to be a really interesting rest of the way. Obviously, Monday night football, Philly and Dallas. Uh, depending on when you're listening uh, to this, that's going to be a heck of a battle. And again, uh, my team, Washington, has five division games all to end the season. So it is going to be a wild, wild chase to. January 9th, I guess, is uh, when the regular season wraps up. You have all of our predictions. You have our analysis of all the teams. Thanks very much to uh, for listening to the Ultimate NFC East crossover. For Patricia Trana, the host of the Locked on Giants podcast. For Gino Camilleri, co-host of the Locked on Eagles podcast. For Landon McCool, co-host of the Locked on Cowboys podcast. I'm Chris Russell, co-host of the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Ultimate NFC East crossover right here on the Locked on Podcast. Lots of people are picking the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East this year. Lots of people are wrong. It's going to be the Washington football team. You know why? Because they play consistent. They play solid football. I love their coach, Ron Rivera. And they're going to get much better quarterback play than they did from Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins a year ago. I mean, they won the division with arguably – uh, the worst quarterback play in the division outside of Carson Wentz. I mean, the, the division was a mess last year. I like Washington, number one. I think Dallas is probably two. And then the Giants and the Eagles are right there at three and four. Although, honestly, I think they all win maybe even eight or nine games. It might be that close yet again. Insiders and experts, I'm Bo Brock, and thank you so much for joining us for the Ultimate NFL Season Preview, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Don't miss our ultimate insider NBA preview coming up soon. Is your favorite NBA team a contender, playoff hopeful, or tanker vying for the top draft pick? Join us October 11th through 15th as our insiders preview the upcoming NBA season. Until then, make sure to check out your favorite team's local Locked On podcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.